we cling on to one part of our identity and we don't realize that there's so much more to who we are. Like we're not just our job. We're not just one of our decisions. We're, we're everything. Hi, I'm Anna Olson, and you're listening to We're Not Kidding, a podcast devoted to sharing stories surrounding the child-free life. As a life coach, I'm passionate about helping women feel confident and empowered in their choice not to have children. And I believe that by sharing our stories, we help break the stigma. So let's dive in. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm so excited. Today's guest Uh, We are speaking with Morgan Levy, who is a therapist and a psychologist, and she is joining us from the U.S. Welcome, Morgan. Thank you so much for being here. It's an honor to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited. Uh, Me too. (laughs) So we actually have a connection in common, who is Maggie Dickens, who was previously on the podcast, and she put us in touch. And I am so excited to get to know anyone that Maggie recommends because she's lovely. So I guess to start, would you mind telling us like a little bit about yourself and who you are? You know, it's so funny. My immediate reaction is to say, you know, I'm a psychologist, but there's, there's so much more than that. So I'm a therapist. I love working with perfectionists and high achievers who want to explore more of their, their identity outside of work, which is kind of funny that my first instinct was to say a psychologist. I am a dog mom. I live in South Florida. I love creativity. I love art. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm curious, how did you come to the decision to be child-free? Do you consider it a decision? And what did that look like for you? Yeah. So I have older siblings. They're actually quite a bit older than me. And so when I was younger, I had a lot of nieces and nephews and so my my entire life, I've sort of been surrounded by kids and children, and I just never really felt that urge to want to have kids. It's like, it doesn't feel like an instinctual thing for me. And it, it's sort of, it's not even like I made the decision. It's just, it's how it's been. Like, yeah. if that makes any sense. Like, that's just who I am. I'm not somebody who necessarily wants to have kids. And so just being around kids my whole life, it just never felt like something that I needed. And I also, you know, love the freedom of being able to do what I want, maybe when I want it. I am a very, very proud dog mom. (laughs) And I'm also a firm believer that somebody shouldn't have kids if it's not something they truly want and desire. Because kids also should have parents that are truly in it and want to be parents for them. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about and hearing other people talk about this, but you know, you think about for certain milestones in life, there is like a prerequisite that you have to pass and show you have some understanding and skill set in like, you have to take a test to drive a car. And that's just not the case when it comes to parenthood, which in my mind, it's like one of the biggest things you can undertake is to be responsible for another life and raising that life or that child and that person. Absolutely. Yeah. And just all the pushback. Like I recently got a bilateral self-injectomy and knowing that, you know, when someone walks in who's pregnant, there's not pushback. Like, are you sure you want to do this with your life? But if you go in saying, I want to make sure I permanently don't have kids, there's so much 
push back. Anyways, that was a bit of a tangent, but I totally agree with you on being a firm believer in that those who want to be parents really need to want it and be prepared for all that it entails. Yeah. In terms of pushback, I haven't had a lot of it recently, but in the past I have had a lot of pressure to like, when are you going to have kids and just have kids and I'll watch them until you're ready to, you know, take them on a lot of, I would say not healthy messages. And I've just sort of held firm in my belief of that's not where I'm at in my life. That's not something that I want. Yeah. Yeah. It it definitely wasn't easy at first, but, but over time it became easier. Is there a way that you found to like handle comments like that? I'm trying to think because it's been, it's almost at the point now where it feels like people, at least the people in my life, don't really push it anymore. Yeah. But before that, I think I just said, that's not what I want. And I sort of just held in that. I I never really tried to convince other people Mm. that that was my belief. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. And I've been thinking more about my own timeline with this decision and with how, Mm -hmm. like, at the beginning, I think I felt defensive. And when I was in that mindset, it was much harder to handle those comments. But now that I'm, you know, it's been a couple of years for me that where I've like, this has been a conscious choice. And now I'm, I think being surrounded and having conversations with other people who are child free, I just feel so confident in this decision that it's almost more like I'd be open to having someone say something to me and just have like a very open, curious conversation. Like, I think before I really worried about the judgment, that the perceived <laughs> judgment, whether or not that was there on their part, just like what I assumed they were thinking about me if they were <laughs> making comments. But now it's it's totally shifted. Was there ever a moment you didn't feel super confident in this decision or it sounds like it's maybe that's not been the case for you? I would say probably when I was younger, I would... I would think like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to, you know, have that traditional life and have kids and take time off from work, have maternity leave, like all of that. And I, if anything, it was more of like, why isn't that what I want? Why am I taking a different path? And I think through my own self-understanding and my own therapy and working through all of that, I became more comfortable in making decisions that felt right for me rather than trying to make the people around me happy, even though maybe I wasn't necessarily getting that pressure, but more of just what society might expect from me. I realized I didn't need to do that. Yeah. That's huge. (laughs) Way to go. Like, I mean, to do that. It wasn't easy (laughs) to do that. Yeah. But to take the steps and to work with a therapist or, or whatever that looks like for anyone, you know, like to have that introspection and to, to make progress is, it's not easy. Yeah. So I'm curious, as you've built your life, and this is a component of it, being child-free or choosing not to have kids and and not going that traditional path, how have you built that vision? I So let me give some context for this. I work with a lot of women who have made the choice or are navigating the decision of whether or not they want kids. And something that comes up a lot is how it's so easy to envision parenthood. And especially for women who've always thought maybe they were going to go that direction and then sort of have this realization, wait, I don't have to, I don't want to. 
And then it's like, what does this look like? You know, it's kind of like a blank canvas and and anything's game. How have you navigated building out that future for yourself? And what does it entail? Yeah. So right now, my main focus is on my career and growing that and making that into what I want it to be. So I would say that's my focus. And then also planning for traveling. I mean, it's already hard enough to plan to travel with my dog. I can't imagine what that would be like having to navigate with children. So my business and growing that, and then also making plans to travel and, and explore as much as I can. Yeah. Oh, cool. I love that. Do you feel like there's anything missing in your life? Do you feel fulfilled? And what brings you fulfillment? Mm-hmm. There's always things that I could do to explore things. I don't want to say like everything is perfect because I don't believe I'm perfect. But what brings me the fulfillment is being able to be authentically who I am and not have to perform for other people or society or have to do certain things, but feel that freedom to do what I want to do. So I guess my own personal fulfillment is I'm a bit of a nerd. So I love science fiction and going to like the local comic cons that we have down here. That's really fun. I love planning <laughs> murder mystery parties and like, I, no I really way. like, feeling, yeah, <laughs> like that creative side of myself. I would say that's like my biggest fulfillment right now is trying to find like balancing being professional and also having fun in my personal life. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is an interesting point and I don't want to stereotype the child free people I do come into contact with some who kind of fill their time with work I'm not saying that everyone does that I know that my husband and I do that so how do you build in that balance to just like not overdo it in one area and to sort of round out your life in that way yeah that's such a good question because it's it you're right it's so easy to get sucked into work because that's also huge pressure on being a woman. Like we, like there's also so much pressure on us that we have to do even more to be just as successful as a man or to look just as successful as a man. So it's easy to get caught up in that. Yeah. And also it could, be, it, it could just be fun to work. Right. Right. Which is what it is. You know, that's where I fall into whereas I love what I do. And so it's like, Oh, I've got some free time. Why not just keep going in that direction? Yeah. Yeah. That, that definitely has been a learning process for me of figuring out how to balance it. Otherwise I just get into these phases where I'm so excited. I work so much and then I burn out. Yeah. That's when I I try to really intentionally incorporate time that isn't work, even though I love it. I, I need to do other things that I love too. Otherwise, what was the point of working so hard if I don't have a life outside of work? Mm, oh, that's a good, that is such a good point right there. Yeah. What are you working for? It's probably not just continued work. I mean, yes, like building a career, but also the life outside. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that you host mystery, uh, murder mystery dinner parties. Like I want to (laughs) come. Yeah. I have so much fun. It's so exciting. (laughs) That's so cool. That's so creative too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So can you speak to, I know that we were talking before, you said you're passionate about, you know, building out our identity and, you know, finding out who we are as an individual. And how does that come into play, especially like being child-free and obviously that's not all of who we are. Yeah. Can you speak to that? Of of how to figure out a little bit more about who we are? Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, I think it's so easy to get caught up in these expectations and these roles and this identity that maybe even was formed and shaped when we were a kid. Like a a lot of us maybe feel that pressure that when we were young, we equated our uh, worth with our outcome and our productivity. And so over time, we just keep thinking that we need to be productive. Like we don't think it, but it's sort of an unconscious process that we need to be productive. We need to put stuff out in the world in order to be worthy. And so that's when we sort of cling onto that work identity that I've noticed happens a lot, or we cling onto one part of our identity and we don't realize that there's so much more to who we are. Like we're not just our job. We're not just one of our decisions. We're, we're everything. Yeah. Is that something you focus on with clients? Yeah. So a lot of the people that I work with, they're perfectionists but they never admit to being a perfectionist until <laughs> we're actually working together. And they're like, because they think a perfectionist is somebody who has everything perfect, but not realizing perfect doesn't exist. And that's what they're constantly trying to work towards. And yeah, so what I work on with them is learning the hobbies that they like outside of work, who they want to be at work, who they want to be in their relationships with their family, with their friends, like who are they besides just the, like this one job title? Yeah. If they're someone like me <laughs> who is like, oh, I don't I don't have any hobbies. <laughs> when I think of hobbies, my mind goes blank. So how would you encourage someone like to start exploring hobbies if they're not someone who feels like they really have hobbies? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing I would do is figure out where you have time in your schedule to start incorporating hobbies. Mm. And then come up with just see what happens if you think of a few things that come to mind of something you want to try. And I think the problem isn't necessarily finding things to try. It's that pressure when we started of not feeling like we're good enough to do it. So we just want to give up. Oh, you're good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's huge. That's totally what it is too. It's like, it becomes overwhelming because it's like, Mm -hmm. I, I already feel like I failed before I started. Exactly. And then you don't want to do it because who wants to feel like a failure or some mistakes? Yeah. Sometimes we get so focused on the end result rather than just the process of trying to enjoy what's happening in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how can we like relieve that pressure on ourselves? Yeah, that, that, that takes some time. So I like to look at the concept of being good enough and not perfect Mm. and Like, yes, there's some situations where it makes sense that we have to not, I don't like to use the word perfect because perfect doesn't exist, but really, really good. Like we, we can't make a mistake in this area, but there's tons of areas in our life where we don't have to be perfect. And we could just embrace that concept of just being good enough. Like we might be working 10,000 times harder than we need to, to get the same result that we would have gotten if we didn't work as hard. So trying to figure out where we can have that flexibility in our life to not be perfect and to just be good enough, that's usually a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And as I listen to you talk, I'm just thinking about how much this may come up for some people, maybe not everyone, but just like, I think for me, especially as someone who isn't having kids that like, it's easy to think not even consciously, but to sort of get in this mindset of if I'm not having kids, what am I doing with my life? And how do I make it like have an impact? So that's probably where I drive myself like a little farther into the career stuff and sort of spend a lot of time there and don't always make the time to 
flesh out the rest of my life as much or those hobbies or like vacation, you know? Um, So I think that this is such an important part of the conversation too, of just like identity and being aware of, are we, are we feeling like we have to prove ourselves in some way Maybe because we are choosing not to have kids. Maybe, maybe it's not even related to that. Maybe it's just, no, that's a good point. I never thought of it that way, that there, there might be that pressure that we have to show like, Hey, it's okay that we made this decision because look what we're doing over here. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's a lot of pressure to put on ourselves and can lead to burnout. So do you have any tips or advice for having more compassion for ourselves? Hmm. Yeah. So there's two things that I'm thinking of. The first one is to recognize when the shoulds are showing up in our life, where we're doing something because we think we should be doing it or not doing something because we think we shouldn't be doing it and trying to figure out if that's a belief that we truly do hold. And if it is, then reframing it to view it as something that we want or something we need to do. So it's coming from our own internal value than the should, which is more external So I think right there, that helps us get more in touch. And then self-compassion, it might sound really cheesy, but keeping a self-compassion or almost like a gratitude journal about ourselves really does make a difference where every day we're writing just a couple of things that we feel proud of ourselves for doing or grateful for and giving ourselves that flexibility because again, there is no such thing as perfect. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That reminded me, there was a time in my life where I really struggled to take ownership of the good things in my life. So Mm -hmm. if something good happened, you know, I wouldn't, I felt weird taking credit. So I'd say, oh, it was, it was just luck or it was a fluke. Mm -hmm. Um, Also at that time I started a practice and I can't remember if it was from a course I was doing that it came from or from this life coach, but the practice was to reflect on something I was grateful for from the day. So like, let's say it was a great conversation I had with a friend on the phone. And then to write like how I helped make that happen. So for example, maybe in that instance, it was I actually answered the phone instead of it letting letting it go to voicemail and deciding to call her back later. So that was a really interesting way to start kind of building in if anyone listening has trouble taking ownership of the good in their lives or or you know celebrating themselves I found that really kind of helped me break through that but so easy to recognize our mistakes and our flaws and let that inner critic take over that we don't recognize the other things that happen too yeah and the part we play in that exactly Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I love that yeah, gosh, I just I just love talking to you. This is so fun. <laughs> um, is there anything else that sort of come to mind as we've been talking that you want to go into? Well, I think what you brought up about feeling like, you know, you only had these good things happen due to luck is so common in perfectionists and especially in women. And, and you know, it leads to that imposter syndrome of feeling like we're a fraud and we're going to be exposed. And that just contributes to that pressure to keep performing and to keep being successful, to keep doing the right thing, to like leave an impact. And it's hard. It leads to burnout. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like leaving an impact to me, that's, I guess that to me is what a legacy is. Like, what is the impact I am leaving? And it's funny because legacy is also one of those bingos that gets 
thrown out like, well, what will be your legacy if you don't have kids? What do you think of this bingo and this topic? And what does, what does it mean to you? Yeah, well, there's actually a theory in psychology. I believe it's called terror management theory, where people are so afraid of their own mortality and death that the way that they cope with it is by creating something that's long lasting. And one of those things is children. And so people really struggle with that. and, And that's a huge part of it. That's usually where that wanting to leave a legacy and an impact like that comes from that. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's fascinating. I mean, it, yeah. When I hear that, I'm like, okay, that totally makes sense. Of course. Like what is one of the scariest things on earth? It's facing death. Yeah. So are there any ways, like if someone isn't having kids, how can people navigate that fear? Well, what some people do is they, you know, with that idea of leaving a legacy is like creating art or music or writing something that will be there, like isn't dependent on their being alive to exist. And I think a part of a part of working through that is also like mindfulness work and living in the moment, because it's also thinking very far ahead when when you have those fears, thinking what's going to happen. And sometimes people think about that so much that they're not focusing on living the life that they have right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can't you can't really be present if you're focused on the future and fixated on it in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any mindfulness or presence tips? Oh, yeah. I have two favorite ones. One is focusing on our senses because sometimes people don't want to practice mindfulness because they view it as just sitting down and having to meditate, not realizing that there's so many ways to practice it without having to do that. Because I get it. It's not easy to sit and do that every day. Right. So, yeah. So that's what I typically recommend, you know, focusing in the moment, what you're experiencing, what you see, what you hear, what you taste, what you smell and what you physically feel like just doing that for a few minutes every day trains our brain to be more of a mindful brain where we can be present in the moment. And it's easier to start doing that rather than just always thinking about the future. And, you know, it's not really like, of course, we're going to think about the future. It's not, most people aren't going to sit there and only ever think about the present moment. It's about doing that more often than what we're doing now. Mm, Yeah. I love that. I don't know the way you phrase it. It's not like um, I'm working towards being mindful for like 10 hours a day. It's can I do it more than I'm doing it currently? And so the measure is yourself a a little bit, not like some external goal. Yeah. And also recognizing that there's going to be days where it's really difficult for you to do it all. And that's totally okay. Mm, Yeah. I love that. Cool. How did you get into being a therapist and a psychologist? You know, I always have different answers to that question. It's like, I'm still trying to figure that out for myself too. (laughs) I mean, so I've always been that person who, you know, my friends would come and talk to me about everything. And I I was a good listener. Mm. And then I've also loved reading and I always love the stories of the characters and I love the stories of people. And it just sort of happened where I psychology, I took psychology classes. I loved it. And I sort of fell into that. Yeah. That's like hearing, cool. I love hearing people's stories and not trying to just change them. Cause so, so many times people they're like, I feel sad and they want to get rid of those feelings. Not realizing that that's just part of being human is embracing all of those feelings and understanding where they come from rather than just trying to get rid of them. 
Oh, that's so interesting. I know for myself, like there was a journey of trying to, you know, I I think for a long time I was focused on the word happy. Like, how do I just get to be happy? And then after reading some books and, and doing some work, I was like, well, actually like happiness is fleeting. It's like hedonic adaptation where it's like, you know, if you want a car or something and then you finally get the car and it's like, you feel that like joy and that happiness for like, I don't know, probably with a new car, it could be like months, but otherwise, like if it could be like weeks and then you just kind of go back to your baseline. And so, yeah, I think that was sort of an interesting waking up to like, yeah, happiness, like it, had felt like the gold standard, but it wasn't anymore. I was like, I- I'd like to just maybe be in touch with my emotions and <laughs> exactly. not be of them. <laughs> yes, that's great. And I think research shows that typically we have a balance of about 50-50 when it comes to emotions. Like, I don't like labeling emotions as good or bad, but for what we would typically understand, like 50% of the time, the emotions we are experiencing are like the good emotions and 50%, the not so good. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Because we're always told to just, you know, be happy, like be grateful, but not recognizing like we have, we, it's okay to not feel those things. Right. And I found that instead of trying to push emotions away, because like, um, I don't know, it was very uncomfortable to be angry given, you know, conditioning, whatever, like, and then realizing like, oh, that's a message. What's underneath it? And um, learning more about myself in that way, just by being curious about how I was feeling. I mean, it still doesn't always feel great to feel some of those emotions, but they pass. Exactly. It all, it like, just like happiness is fleeting. So are all the other emotions. And I mean, I'm, you know, if things get severe where it's, you have severe de- depression or anxiety, that's a different story. But when it comes to all of these emotions, it, it it's normal to have all of them and to experience all of them. And it isn't always comfortable. Right. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for this conversation. I absolutely oh, loved it. It's been so much fun. Um, is there anything else that you want to touch on before we wrap up? I think just that identity piece matters so much to me that you are so much more than just one decision or one title. Like you're so much more than your work. You're so much more than really just any decision you make. Like people are complex and it's okay to embrace that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So for those listening, is there any way people can connect with you or interact with you? Yeah. So I offer workshops to anybody because the workshops aren't therapy. It's educational experiences on burnout, on identity, on mindfulness. And so they can uh, learn more about that and learn about me at my website, drmorganlevy.com. Awesome. Great. I will put that in the show notes as well. So people can go straight to it. And thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute honor and pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. All right. We'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you haven't already, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing 
this podcast. This is how we reach more people. And in doing so, that's how we break the stigma. I would really appreciate your support in that and helping this podcast reach more listeners. And if you're someone who is struggling with any aspect of your child-free life, head over to my website and book your free clarity call. We'll talk about how you can start living your best child-free life with intention and purpose today.